the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. My name is Farhan, also known as Gunner since 96. And I'm joined here tonight by the one and only, of course, it's James Payne. James, how are you doing this evening? Um, I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Um, yeah, I'm doing I'm doing really well. How are you? Good stuff. Yeah, man. All good. All good. Um, you know, it's been a, a very week. it's been a, yeah, it's been oh, yeah, yeah. To put it uh, to put it nicely, it's been it's been a week <laughs> where we haven't spoken to each other. Um, but it's been a strange old week because it's flown by really quickly. Um, and without much in the business, in the world of football. I mean, look, we're going to talk about the Euros, of course, we'll probably start off talking about that. Um, the Euros has been um, ticking over and we're now in the latter stages of the competition. Uh, but other than that, I mean, football itself has been quite reserved. Um, mm. And I just, I don't know, I just got the impression that as the weeks go by, things would intensify. Things would get a little bit more interesting. Reports will start to come out. And I don't know. I just feel a little bit... Underwhelmed? Mm, I, I, feel, I feel too relaxed for my liking. Yeah. Um, and it's almost as if football has like sort of disappeared from the world. Whereas... You know, a couple months ago, it was like every single day it was at the front of our minds. Whereas now, I mean, maybe it's a good thing. I guess it is a good thing to some extent because we all need a break and a rest from the endless heartache and disappointment of following Arsenal. Um, and, uh, you know, Arteta said it himself uh, as the season was ending. When the season ends, the most important thing is to switch off and spend that quality time with your loved ones and just allow your brain to just refresh itself. Mm. Um, but obviously, you know, this is the, this is the pivotal time where Arsenal need to act and be ahead of the curve. Um, because we know what situation we find ourselves in. So uh, before we, you know, head into the Arsenal stuff, um, before we talk about, the latest transfer news and happenings around Colney. Let's let's touch on the Euros. Have you have you been finding it so far? Yeah, uh, I have to be honest. Um, I've just been watching the England games. It's only re- it's only been recently since I've started again watching other games. But well, but I find it's a little bit too much. Like yeah. there's all too many games. It was so many different times. It's like and they're all going on simultaneously. It's like hard to keep an eye on all of them. Uh, whereas in in the group stages, you kind of knew where you you knew where you were uh, you were because you know there were games on set times and you know, but now games are kicking off simultaneously and then you've got you know, and then I'm just like, this is a bit too <laughs> this is a bit too much. I know like the Euro is a big deal and 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 we've made a big deal out of it because we've we've been deprived from it from a year, mm. but I didn't expect it to be like this much and this full on. I've kind of got, you know, it's kind of been, whoa, straight in your face, Euros, 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 yeah. you know? And, yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say, it's just, it's, it's a bit of a, like a love-hate relationship football um, because it's, it reminds me like back when we had that short international break um, in the mid, in the middle of the season. Um, I can't remember what it was, but Arsenal were having like a horrific time 
they were going through a really bad patch and then we had an international break and everyone was like, oh, thank God, like this international break couldn't come any sooner. (laughs) And then during the break, we were like, oh my God, when can we have football back again? So it's like, it is a bit of a frustrating thing. Like you don't really know how to sort of um, approach it, how to juggle it. When you're given too much football, it's overwhelming. When you're given less to less then it's also a problem so yeah i totally get where you're coming from um i'm I'm a little bit like you mate i'm not watching every single game it's as and when i can and um i did watch parts of both games today um and yeah i guess it 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 matters more today no it doesn't matter today actually it matters um it matters when Sweden Ukraine play, and obviously the England game, because that's we if, if England decide to should they go through to the quarterfinals, then they'll either be playing Sweden or Ukraine. Um, but we know the quarterfinals for um, the the other the other quarterfinal game, which is Belgium and Belgium versus. What am I talking about? I've got this. I've got, yeah, sorry. I think I've, I'm, I'm completely confusing everyone. Right. The round of last 16 consists of currently um, Denmark are through and they're going to be playing mm-hmm. Czech Republic. And then you've got um, Belgium are through and they're going to be playing someone. <laughs> But I'm not sure who. What have I got here? I've I basically pulled up a Sky Sports um, route to the final um, kind of grid, and it's it not, it's not very it's not very good one. No. Um, anyways, let me go, did, let me go on the UEFA website. Let's see if we can clear it up. Did 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 we talk about England's last game last week? We did, didn't we? I think not? Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, yeah, I think we did. Okay. Um, yeah, Scotland. You mean? Scotland or Czech Republic? Yeah, Czech Republic. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it was the Czech Republic game. That's right. Um, but yeah, I think I've got a clearer yeah. one here. Right. So, um, Belgium will play either. Sorry, Belgium will indeed be playing Italy in the quarterfinals. Um, yeah. Denmark will be playing Czech Republic in the quarterfinals as well, and. That's one quarterfinal. So then the winners of Belgium, Italy will go through to the semifinal. But on the other mm-hmm. sort of side, because there's two sides, isn't it? So you've got the left-hand side and the right-hand side. Um, and Italy, Belgium are on the left-hand side. And then you've got Denmark playing Czech Republic on the right-hand side. So Denmark and Czech Republic, either one of those teams could be playing England in the semis if England beat Germany. Um, what do you think the chances are of England beating Germany? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me this question. Um, I don't actually think we well, did talk about the last game of the group stages. Enough. I don't think so because the last game of the group stages would have happened on Tuesday and we recorded on Sunday. So we would have just... Um, we recorded a few oh, days. Oh no, we early. haven't. Have we no, 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 we no. haven't. So no. the, the the last the last day was quite interesting because obviously you know England got the result at Czech Republic by beating them one nil. I just. don't know whether it just yeah I don't know whether it was as convincing of a performance. But had it not been for our man Bukayo Saka, um, we 
I don't know if England would have had uh, enough in the tank to beat Czech Republic, but they did. They got the job done. I have to say Saka had an incredible performance, a really influential one that got him man of the match, did it? I think you got him man of the match yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah he did, didn't match, he? Yeah, 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 he did. Star of the match. Yeah, there you go. And uh, how ironic that the, his nickname is Starboy as well. Well, little chili Starboy <laughs> and whatever else that the fans want to label him with. Um, but yeah, so he got the man of the match and then um, that put England top of the group, which meant that they would f- f- play Germany. Germany, on the other hand, were losing to uh, Hungary 1-0 in the first half and they managed to pull it back in the last sort of 10 minutes of the game. Um, yep. They managed to draw 2-2, was it? Or did they beat Holland in uh, the end? Um, let me find out. Tuesday. I, drew... uh, I want to say drew. I'm going to... Yeah, they, they, they did draw, yeah. They drew 2-2. They scored yeah. in the last sort of 10-ish minutes to secure themselves a place. Had they not <laughs> have won, um, then we could mm-hmm. have been potentially playing Portugal, I think. Maybe. Something like that. Uh, anyway, out. the so-called group of death um, now consists of two teams, which is Germany and France, because Portugal just got knocked out by Belgium. Uh, I have to say, a really scrappy game, uh, Belgium versus Portugal. It was. It seems like Indeed. most big teams who play each other, it, it just isn't that spark. I don't know what it is. Like we as fans totally look forward to big games, um, but. It just doesn't deliver. I, I mean, none of the big games have seen. Yeah, I know what you mean. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. It's like uh, you, it's like you you see the you see the games like the lead up, and then you get all excited, and then you go oh, and then it's just oh yeah, that mm-hmm. game. It's like yeah, it doesn't live up to expectation when you when you think of uh, Euros past the big games, but you think oh, it's a massive game, and then it just ends up being an absolute. Uh, what's the, what do they call it? Bore fest. That's the yeah. word I was looking for. Um, but hopefully, as we progress to the quarterfinals, semifinals, and final, mm. hopefully we get to see a little bit more of a, a good game because it hasn't been the best. I can't lie. Yeah, the the performances haven't been. The, but there's some games that have stood out, but the majority of them. It's the smaller really teams up. that have. Okay, maybe to say smaller teams is not being fair because clearly they're not as small if they're beating big teams, but it's the sides that you wouldn't expect to be pulling out these results that are exciting to watch. Like I'm really enjoying watching Czech Republic. Um, I really enjoyed watching Austria until they got beaten. Um, And, you know, it's sides like that that make the competition interesting because uh, there's there's a certain level of sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Surprise, um, unexpectedness, something like that. Tried or it, and then go on. Unexpe- uh, I think you're yeah, right. Yeah, you know what you're I mean. right. Unexpe- yeah. Well, yeah, as long as you know what yeah. I mean, that's all that matters. Um, so, but but look, <laughs> another big team who hasn't really delivered or stepped up to the mark um, like they usually do in competitions is Germany, our next oppositions. We play them on Tuesday at five o'clock and then we will find out who we play. If we beat Germany, we'll find out who we play in the quarterfinals between Sweden and Ukraine. And again, England really do have one of the easiest routes to the finals because if they do manage to get into the quarterfinals, yeah, 
They then play either Sweden or Ukraine. And then if they get to the semifinals, they then play Czech Republic or Denmark. Um, and look, you know, like again, yeah. with all due respect to those sides, you'd rather be playing those teams than say France, Spain, or Italy, who are all on the other side of the um, route to the final. So no excuses, really. England should, I think anyway, I mean, I'm, I'm going to give my two cents now. I think England should beat Germany um, on Tuesday, just judging from what I've seen of Germany um, in the competition so far. I don't think they've quite hit the mark yet. They've looked quite underwhelming. I feel like they seem just a little bit too relaxed and maybe it's the arrogance of knowing what they have. Um, But also there's players in the uh, national side that I don't think have quite, I don't know, um, hit the same form that they would do for their, uh, their clubs um, and even you know players who don't usually hit the ground running at their clubs are starting like are oh, doing are doing that yeah yeah um, so I mean but they've got a brilliant side uh, you know players like Rudiger, Kimmich, Gundogan, Cruz, Sane, Nabry. Um, the list goes on. Even their bench: Sule, Werner, Goretzka, Chan. Muller. So yeah. there yeah. are some real big names, but what do you see happening against England on Tuesday? Because I don't think England have that good of a team. Either. I mean, they've got brilliant players, but it's just the football that I've watched so far has been quite underwhelming. And that, I guess it goes hand in hand with the kind of the selection and the system that um, Southgate is playing England under. The and minute. guess what? We're going to offer a new contract. Uh, right, the less said about that, the better, because I, th- I think that's really, really stupid at the minute. Um, but how do I think we're going to go on Tuesday? Um, I think we're gonna we're gonna try. We're gonna we're gonna try. You know, I think we, we are we are gonna play play a certain way as Southgate likes to do, and you know, we might even nick it. We might play uh, like defensive and have like loads of defenders on the pitch, like Gareth likes to do these days. And have about five defenders on the pitch and hoof one up to Harry Kane and he'll finally score. And, uh, you know, but I think, uh, as you said, I think, we're, I know we have great players like Phil Foden, Sterling, you know, Saka. But I, I think Germany are going to be a little bit too much for us. I think I think we will, we will, we will score. But at the end, I don't think we, I don't think we'll have enough. Yeah, I, t- I don't honest. know. I do, mm, I kind of agree. I mean, there's a side of me that cares for some reason i don't know why i care maybe because i'm i guess <laughs> well i live in this country so you know that side i guess that that automatically makes me a little bit more sympathetic towards england i try to be impartial during international competitions because i don't know i just don't see the idea of like oh yay go england because i'm British and I live here yet Harry Kane represents us like no that's wrong <laughs> so um I do yeah. I, I do tend to be a little bit impartial but I guess you know like I said uh the soft side of me does favor England going into matches but even against Germany I do see us I do see it being a really difficult game now look I'm, I'm not saying that we 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 can't pull out a result because I guess by form and on paper it is a very very equal sort of game 
it's anyone's match, really. If England turn up on the day, they can walk all over Germany, who, like I said, haven't been at their yeah. best um, and look like they still haven't been able to gel with this new generation of German players. Um, but equally, they are ruthless and they, on their day, can humiliate teams, you know, and we're talking about a knockout competition now. It's not a, a case of needing to grind out points. It's a case of needing to just get results. But if anything, if this if this competition has shown me anything, it's that don't write off anybody, um, especially having watched the Austria Italy game when they when they took them all the way to the to extra time. A hats off to Austria for doing that because Italy, I have to say, um, were one of my favorites in this competition, you know, before that game. Um, but you know, now you just you can't you can't write it. So I think if Southgate plays, if Southgate makes a good starting lineup, and I'm talking about players like Foden, Grealish, Sancho, and Saka, Saka. all playing, and if Calvert Lewin starts as well, I think that'll be a massive bonus and I know everyone's going to scream out what do you mean like, how can you not play Harry but listen Harry Kane doesn't have what Harry Kane needs in order for Harry Kane to score okay let's be honest with players like I don't Lucas think Harry Mora, Kane warrants it to be honest yeah I don't think he was I think, the, I think the pressure is getting to him as you approach these latter stages he doesn't have Son there he doesn't have Mora there he doesn't have these types of players who, who serve ultimately serve him on a football pitch. Whereas when you're playing for an, you know, an England international side with players who aren't going to be looking to feed Harry Kane at every given opportunity, you've got players like Grealish who want to progress with the ball and who want to get it in the box for anybody, not just Kane. And then you've got Saka who likes to run directly at defenders and try and um, cause something in the final third, whether it be having a go himself or whether it, it encourage other England players to pile into the box. You know, this isn't Harry Kane's type of team for him to flourish. So hopefully Covert Loon starts. And if not, like I said, then, you know, maybe Southgate will be wishing he had bought um, Covert Loon on. But look, you know, there is still a long way to go. We still got well, two days to be precise. Um, yeah. And yeah, we'll yeah. find out the fate of England. But putting uh, the Euros to one side, let's talk about Arsenal because it is the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. After Do we all. have to, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, object. you know, I'm gonna have to twist you out on this one. <laughs> Um, <laughs> there are there are some mind. news there are some news to talk about because um, despite it being yep. a, an awfully quiet week actually there, there are some really good news coming out of Arsenal um, and I'll start off by talking about Tierney signing a five year deal extension yes. what a positive piece of news what was your reaction when you found out um, well I was quite surprised because I literally, I knew nothing about it. I went on Twitter and then they said they were doing an interview with him. I didn't really put two and two together. I, I saw something a couple of days ago uh, that said he was close to signing a new deal. Uh, but yeah. then when I saw that, I just thought, oh yeah, it's, an, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's like an interview to just, you know, appease the fans in in this, in this Euros, you know, you know, without art, they have you. So you don't really have Arsenal or club football in the Euros. So let's uh, make up for that by having an interview with a, a player that played in the Euros. I didn't really put two and two together. Um, and then he announced 
he announced the contract and he said he signed a new contract and I was I was beyond happy because Kieran Tierney for just twenty five million pounds. Mm. I'll say that again because that is out of this world. Arsenal really got a good deal on that one. Sorry, Celtic fans. Um, but yeah, I, I'm 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 really happy that he's committed to the club for five more years, and he's a future captain of Arsenal Football Club. And um, I think uh, people are calling for him to be captain even now and even today. So um, that that has to say something. I just hope he stays injury free this season, so we can see, you know, the maximum effort and um, Kieran Tierney can have a full season, which he deserves. Yeah, I'll tell you what I love about this piece of news. It's, I guess it shows a couple of things. Number one, that Arsenal still have some... Pull. Pull. They have some sort of pull yet, and they have seemed to preserve the image and the status of what we had built so long ago. Um, I fully did not. I mean, the news was circulating weeks before Tierney had even, before the news came out. But so I guess to some extent, Mm. I was expecting this news to come out anytime soon. Um, It wasn't a massive surprise when it came out, but when it did, it was a great sense of relief and I guess a bit of excitement as well. And a kind of, you know, like a glimmer of hope as to what's to come throughout the course of the um, transfer window, the, the remainder of the transfer window. Tierney signing yeah. a five-year deal um, shows us that he values Arsenal Football Club and it being him makes all the big, all the difference in the world because I, I would argue, I mean, arguably the best left back in the Premier League, I'd say, um, if you just judge it on the the last season that we had i don't think another a single left back performed better or added as much quality and value um than tierney did and for him to want to stay at arsenal despite not having you know european football despite not um despite not finishing in a respectable league position you know despite not being in the most healthy environment, the most positive environment, it shows a lot. It shows that Arsenal still have influence. And it also shows Mikel and Edu, I guess, to some extent, are on the right course, on the right track. Because it was almost immediately after Scotland were relegated out of the competition that they announced the news. So I'm assuming that this was wrapped up pretty early on. And I guess Mm -hmm. they dotted the I's and crossed the T's um, (laughs) near the end of the, of Scotland's reign in the group stages and decided to announce it. So I'm assuming that Arsenal, despite not hearing many, you know, strong links to players and signings and stuff um, that Arsenal are saving all of that for post euros hopefully um and this is just one of the signs that it could be the route that they're that they're taking but um tierney signing this new five-year deal at approximately around 110k a week um 
is a fantastic sign because he's 24 years old. He's still very, very young. And now we have something to morph the future around because it's not just Tierney. You've got Saka, you've got Emil Smith-Rowe potentially on the verge of signing a new contract. You've got players at Balogun coming up the ranks, Martinelli as well, um, potentially Ben White signing, who we'll talk about in a minute. So we can, we can, we can start to see a clearer picture of what's going on at Arsenal, what kind of direction the board, the manager and Edu are trying to take us. Um, and I have to say, you know, this being the catalyst of hopefully all of that change um, seems to be a bright one. You know, how, yeah. how, do, how do you think you, how would you, I guess, I don't, I'm not trying, I'm trying, I'm trying not to make it a leading question. Um, what? John, what are you going to ask me? Tell me anything. What are your, <laughs> what are your thoughts now on Edu and Arteta after Tierney um, signed his deal? What does that say? Um, the ball. What does that say? It, it's, it, it tells me that they, they, they want to keep the best players around. Look, Edu has had no problem in, in, in doing that before. Um, you know, he's done it with Gabriel Martinelli. I think he's doing it with Emil Smith, bro. He's done it with Saka. Now he's done it with Tierney. That shows me that he wants to keep our best players around. And when we're not having any of the Aaron Ramsey situations of the past or Ozil or Alexis Sanchez. And, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, um, there was a quote that came out from Tierney. I don't know if I can find it now. There's a quote that came out from Tierney that said uh, he didn't, uh, his agent came to him and said, Arsenal are looking to extend your deal. What numbers should we, what numbers should we ask for? He said, I don't care about the money. All I want to know is how long I can stay. Mm. So that that shows me, and and uh, he was asked about Arteta as well, and he said Arteta is a joy. So Arteta has has a big part to play in this, and and don't don't think he doesn't because uh, these players, especially especially Tierney, uh, seems to have warmed to Arteta right from the beginning, because Arteta was with him for his injuries and things like that. So. Uh, I, I expect I expect Arteta had a, a part to play in this deal as well. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm particularly happy that Kieran Tierney's here to stay, and hopefully a future Arsenal captain as well, because he will get that armband at some point, if not yeah, this well, season. I guess I guess this contract extension is nothing more than a confirmation that he will be Arsenal's, you know, captain of Arsenal at some stage. Um, in the future. Uh, but there's also one other thing that I wanted to talk about. That I wanted to touch on about this contract signing, what it shows, what it emphasizes. And um, I guess uh, symbolizes as well that the direction of Arsenal is a positive one and is one that um, answers a lot of questions about Arteta and about the way that he is running things at Arsenal. Because, you know, let's not forget the amount of criticism, the amount of doubts that many had and still have about Arteta. But if a player like Tierney is deciding to stay, not for three years, not for four years, but for five extra years, it's, you know, it's it's, a, it's an incredible amount of um, trust that you're putting on one individual. Um, yeah. And, yeah. you know, I mean, then that's not to say that Arteta is going to be here for five years, but it shows that, 
the direction that we're going in is one that he is happy to be involved with. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, you know, the progression of this young player. He's only 24 years old. He's got so many years before he hits that peak. Um, so, you know, I, I, I welcome yeah. that bit of news. Really, really good stuff. Um, and he still mentions Celtic, even when he's, yeah. <laughs> even when he is, um, is talking about Arsenal, he still mentions where he came from. He's very, very, uh, very humble guy. Um, you know, yeah. so Celtic fans, you're still in Kieran Tinney's heart. Don't worry. I know some of you are still very, very angry. Um, but you know, he's with us now and we'll take good care of him for the next five years. So <laughs> I, I, I'm really looking forward to really looking forward to it and seeing him for a full season and, and really hoping he, he stays injury free because if he does, then, then he's, he's going to have a, the season of his life. So, yeah. Oh yeah, he'll be he'll be brilliant, and that's that's something else that I really like about Tierney is is not just the ability and the work ethic on the pitch; it's also how adaptable he is. So it doesn't matter where you play him. I mean, he, he he's only ever going to play. Well, who knows? But what we've seen of him so far is that he is an excellent left back or a left wing back, but he can um, adapt to different playing a, as a different type of fullback. So whether it's a, a defensive fullback, he's great at that. He has some aspects to improve on, but also going forward, he's incredible at that as well. So um, we don't need to worry about, you know, finding another left back to uh, try and level out the different types of um, skill and ability uh, each one has because I feel like someone like Tierney has got it all but you know there's no doubt Arsenal still do need to find a number two um, in case anything happens and you know fingers crossed hopefully nothing does um, mm-hmm. got another bit of news as well coming out this week that uh, a centre-back could be potentially leaving Arsenal and there may be a few I mean we know that one has already left and I think it's probably appropriate that we talk about that one first Mavropanos oh, has yeah. been sent back out on loan to Stuttgart with the option to buy if they are relegated and if they survive relegation then it is um, well the agreement is that they will purchase him for a fee of Three million pounds, is that right? Uh, I can't quite remember the fee. It was something outrageously cheap. But let's yeah. talk about Mavropanos and let's talk about what, whether <laughs> Arsenal have done the right thing, number one, and number two, the deal itself. Yeah, the thing I was going to say, you said talk about Mavropanos. What is there really to talk about? He hasn't really yeah. featured much. And that's not that's not me being in any way disrespectful to Mavropanos. <laughs> Uh, because you know, I don't think he 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 um, has had the t- he, a little bit like Saliba. Really, he hasn't really had the chance to to show that he can that he can perform. But in all due respects, he was he was out on loan when Arteta did come in. So, uh, and even even Emery did not really appreciate him that much. So it may just be a matter of you know he might not be good enough for Arsenal. But I can't really say that because I haven't really watched him play. But in terms of the move, I think he 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 um, obviously has experience at Stuttgart. Been there this season, done remarkably well. I think in the Bundesliga um, with some great performances. So it only made, it only made sense for him to continue there. 
to continue where he's good because he might have to adapt to the Premier League again if he was to come back. So stay where you stay where you're already adapted. And um, yes, it is a bit of a shame with the finances involved and everything else. Um, but um, it, you know, it is what it is, and at least we do get some money for him and do get people off the wage bill because that's ultimately what we want and what we need to be in order to bring signings in. Apparently, so. Yeah, not much really to say. I don't know what you what you have to say. It's not. It's it's yeah. Well, it's very strange. Yeah. Well, how well. was for this one? <laughs> oh, look, look. This is. Um, I I understand. Okay, I get it, <laughs> you're fuming. I, I'm not really fuming. I just I just get a little bit frustrated. That's all. Because when I when I sort of when I express my dissatisfaction with the deal. I got a real handful, um, a real earful, I should say, of, you know. I saw that. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fans telling me, well, what do you want? You, you know, uh, what do you expect? Uh, is Arsenal need to get rid of him? If, 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 if clubs aren't willing to pay X amount, then what do you want us to do? Blah, de, blah, de, blah. Now, here's my little take on this whole Mavropanos situation. And, Look, granted, Mavropanos isn't good enough for Arsenal. Um, clearly, he's not because he hasn't been given a look-in in the first team. He has he has had first-team football, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Just in case people forgot, he's had first-team football under Arsene Wenger, um, bought in by Sven Mislintat, and saw he was be, he was seen as someone who could potentially develop into a really good, strong centre back, a Greek international as well. Might I add, really good physically looking centre back, um, yeah. very mm-hmm. you know kind of aggressive off the ball, not great on the ball, but he is able to make tackles as a centre-back. And look, Stuttgart want him back because he impressed in his first season. They're reluctant to have him back because he'd done a really good job as a centre-back. Now, Stuttgart aren't, you know, a Borussia Dortmund or even a Bayern Leverkusen. They're quite a a lower-tier German side. Having said that, he's 23 years old um, and he is currently... Um, on loan, he he will be going back on loan to Stuttgart. Five hundred thousand pounds have been paid as a loan fee, and Stuttgart will need to pay three million pounds if they stay up next season. Now that's the part that I have a problem with. Is it, it isn't the part that we're getting rid of him, and you know Arsenal are missing out on an opportunity. I don't think that's the case. I think that Arsenal are doing the right thing by moving Mavropanos on because he clearly won't, he clearly doesn't have a place at Arsenal. Um, so the best thing to do is to try and, you know, surpass any requirement. Did I say that right? Surpass any yeah, requirement? That's right. I, I think yeah. I used it in I wrong. Think- I think I used it slightly incorrectly. But anyway, um, the problem that I have with this deal is how cheap we're selling him on four and how shoddy of a deal I think this is. Now, if Stuttgart want Mavropanos back, which clearly they do, they're obviously quite reluctant to have him back because, you know, they've approached Arsenal to try and bring him back out on loan because he impressed. If he hadn't impressed, then they wouldn't have, you know, 
um, discussed a potential second loan. But as a 23-year-old Greek international, someone who's showing a lot of promise in the Bundesliga, someone who has had plenty of first-team football and someone who looks to be on an upward trajectory. Um, And by the way, Arsenal only bought him just shy of two mil three years ago. I just can't for the life of me understand why Arsenal are selling him so cheap for three mil and why they aren't being a little bit more bullish in their negotiating because... Isn't this the club that um, almost always face problems in the market because they don't know how to negotiate with deals uh, with with other teams properly during negotiations? Aren't the fan base always, you know, ultra ultra um, critis, cr- uh, critical about the way that the board and Edu and whoever is in charge of dealings, whether it be Mislintat, whether it be um, Senyehi or whoever, aren't we always at the throat of these individuals whenever a deal isn't the way that we want it to be? Do you know what I mean? I mean, I remember a time when Arsenal were moving on players to Barcelona every other season. It was, you know, uh, Thomas Vermaelen who played tonight. It was Alexandra Kleb. It was Alex Song. It was Thierry Henry. It was, I think there might have been somebody else. But it just seems to me that Arsenal don't do themselves many favours when they allow deals like this to happen too easily. And... I get the impression that Arsenal would have wanted to try and move on Mavropanos as quickly as possible. But when you see other teams like Liverpool this uh, last week quoting or reports coming out that they, they're trying to get rid of Nico Williams, but he's not going to go for less than 15 mil or something stupid like that. What does that say about our club and the way that we handle business? I mean, you, you we could sit here for hours on the on the you know the the deals and the things we missed out on. Uh, that's not even a joke. We could literally we could literally reel off every single deal that we could have got even more money for. Let me think of another one where I think we should have got more money but didn't. Wasn't it? Um, oh, there was one. I can't think now. I think we, the the deal we did great on was Alex Awobi. That was a great mm-hmm. deal. Great deal, yeah. I think forty million pounds. But yes, we have had some shoppers, and this will go down. Wasn't, as... wasn't Oxley Chamberlain a really shoddy deal as well? Wasn't that fifteen million or something? I I don't know. I'm going to find out now because I remember when he when he was <laughs> off to Liverpool um... and we, you know his last game he played for Arsenal, ironically, was against yeah. Liverpool. But when he went to Liverpool, it was such a Really, I don't know. It was such a disappointing deal. Um, let me find out because, and at that time, I remember he was, you know, one of our best players. Oh, fair enough, thirty-five mil. I think thirty-five mil is fair. Yeah. So yeah, we have had some bad ones, but I think we've also had some good ones as well. But um, this will certainly go down as one of the one of the not so good ones. But I think it will go down as one of the who cares. But that's the point. That is really the center point of my argument. Just because it's Mavropanos, we shouldn't be just brushing that under the carpet because it's the Mavropanos deals that have an underlying effect on on the bigger deals. 
So when we go on to sell, you know, some of our better players who, let's be honest, if we don't hit the targets in the in the upcoming season, they will be wanting to leave. So, I mean, even talking about this season's departures, Granite Shaka, we're teetering around 15 to 20 mil. You're telling me someone at like Granite Shaka is only worth 15 mil. Come on. I mean, let me just say about that Granite Shaka, they were still not even done. I know, and we've still we've been. I think it's about three podcasts now. Where we're 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 going. It's being done today. It's being done now. It's been, but it's still not been done. And it, you know, it's getting so bad that we're now getting bids from Aston Villa for uh, Emil Smith Rowe for only twenty five mil. I mean, I, I I just can't seem to explain it. It is Emil Smith Rowe worth twenty five mil? Do you think he's not? I think he's worth at least fifty. There we what go. I, I, thought, I thought I thought he was. I thought you were like, is he worth twenty five mil? Is that too much? I was like, what? no, no, no. But, but I mean, the point is, is that I mean, we're taken as mugs in the market because we treat ourselves like mugs, and that's what I, that's what I mean about this Mavropana still. Is if you don't value yourself, if you don't value your players enough, then the world is watching. You sell Maverick panels for that cheap, and I get it. He's not good enough to play for Arsenal. I'm happy with that. I'm fine with that. That's not the point I'm arguing with. The point I'm arguing with is he's an Arsenal player with first-team experience. He has had enough Bundesliga experience. He's 23 years old. He's a Greek international, and you only value him at three mil. Do you, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah, someone needs to, you know, fire our accountant or, you know, whoever deals with our accountant. I, I need to, I mean, who's, who's, it must be Edu who is, and, and look, and, and I guess, like I said, that this deal just screams, let's try and get, get it over the line as but soon as actually, possible. Actually, it might not be, it might not be um, Edu. It might also be, uh, what's his name? Ben Napper. Right. Who is our loan manager. Yeah. But I don't think the, I don't think the loan manager would get involved in deals. I think the loan manager is more there to to, to see how players are getting along. It might be Richard yeah. Garlic. Who knows? It might mm. be Richard. It might be Richard Garlic. You know? Yeah. We've, oh, that's true. Actually, yeah. We've, we've, we've he's like a he's supposedly come in as like a director of football type guy. Mm. So you know he hasn't really been in the he hasn't really he's not really been mentioned. So he could be doing doing these deals. Who knows? But yeah. Yeah, all I've got to say about that is uh, I wish Mavropanos well and hopefully um, we see him in the Premier League with, with another team to show Arsenal what they missed out on, potentially. So, yeah. Um, and I think that is Arsenal's first official departure, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, I think we got rid of uh, Ballard and someone else. Oh, yeah. So the, the youngsters that we let go, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But from the first team, Mavropanos, but the others, yeah. So the, the, some of the some of the um, youth prospects have been let go. Some of them have been signed for other clubs um, permanently. I forget who signed for who, but best of luck to Mark McGuinness and... Daniel Ballard, has has he left permanently? I'm sure he's gone out on loan again. I think he went out on loan again. I think. Yeah. Someone else did leave permanently. I just forget, forgot who it was. Um, but anyway, look, plenty of departures will follow um, this season because we need to make room for the new signings. And if Arsenal are going to be as bullish and as aggressive as we've been hearing, then we will be expecting to be hearing players like Holding also being linked away. Um We've heard this week that potentially Everton are looking at him and Arsenal could listen to offers if they 
reach the valuation of about 30 mil. Well, who's, who's, who, who's on? Uh, holding, Rob Holding. 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 I saw that mentioned actually. Sorry, I was just looking at someone. I I, I instantly had a I had a uh you were talking about youngsters and then you, you like this is a really, 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 really strange question. Do you remember what's his name? Cohen Brammel? Yes, I do. He's left as well, yeah. I I was I he's he I think he left years ago, but some for some reason that popped back into my head and I wanted to see where he was playing. He's playing at Lincoln City. Mm. So he signed for Arsenal and then, you know, he just disappeared off the face of the earth. But, um, which, if we kept him on, he could have been left back for Chiarantini, but, you know. Yeah. Arsenal <laughs> these things. Uh, but yeah. yeah, Rob Holding, um, I'd be, I'd be open to it because I certainly don't want to get rid of, um, I certainly don't want to get rid of Saliba, uh, Saliba. So, if it has to be one of them, I think it will have to be Rob Holding or, Maybe yeah. have Mamari, but don't I don't see that happening. Um but um uh well, well if, if Arsenal signed Ben White, then they need to get rid of one centre back because if it is the case, and I highly doubt it will be that Arteta wants to play five at the back, and you've got three centre backs in Gabriel for sure, who will be starting and you know, we're hoping that Saliba will start, but I think that's highly unlikely. Um because you know the news that we've been hearing that Arsenal are open to hearing another potential loan move or a permanent move away. Um, so if Arsenal sign Ben White, then you've got Gabriel Ben White, and then you've got an extra centre back allocation spot, which either leaves Holding or Mari. Um, I don't know whether either of them are good enough at the minute, but thirty mil for Holding for me certainly seems wishful thinking, or am I being unfair? I mean, Holding has had some really standout performances. Let's not be wrong. Mm. He's, uh, he's he has put in a shift when he's played for us, but there's uh, there's other games where he hasn't. Uh, yeah, like every Arsenal player, we I can't really pick out any. Well, apart from a few exceptions, probably like Saka and. But it's the same with every Arsenal player this season, like last season. Some of them have had really good games, but then one day they can one week they can just be absolutely rubbish. So it's, it's a pretty, you know, but 30 million for holding, I'll definitely take it. Because as you said, I yeah. think that's, that's wishful thinking. If we can get anything anything uh, beyond or to that number, then absolutely. But um, it, it depends because the, the noise is coming out now or that Saliba's going out again. And that um, isn't going to be very good. I can tell you that. When if that if anything gets announced with uh, negative about Saliba, then um, Arsenal are going to be in for a very very rough few days mm. uh, because that is ridiculous. But I don't know. Um, Arteta may have a plan, so we should see. I can't for the life of me understand why you'd want to get rid of someone like Saliba when you've invested almost thirty mil in a teenager who. I, I do think that these reports are bogus because I, I I refuse to believe that Arteta and Edu do not like the look of William Saliba. Having done what he did at Nice last season, I get some of the reports, uh, some of the things that he got himself into, you know, the um, the radio talk shows, the, the interviews that he gave alongside of that whole, you know, Snapchat scandal nonsense. Um, but 
I I refuse to believe that these guys are going to let him walk away because of a, a few minor attitude problems. And I think it's less to do with attitude and more to do with um, just, I guess, carrying himself as a teenager in an industry that he is alien to. His agent is clearly not giving him the right advice. People around him aren't looking after him. So I guess it is the the role of the parent club, Arsenal, people like Arteta and Edu to put their arms around him and to, to nurture him. Um, but from what I've seen and from what I've heard, I am still quite, um, I, I still think Arteta fancies him mm-hmm. and will give him a shot uh, come the um, preseason. Mm-hmm, which is a few weeks away Which is a few weeks away So I guess, yeah, the news This news, this specific bit of news Will become a lot more clearer uh, as, 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 as the time goes by um, But let's talk about some other players Who have been linked to Arsenal One of them being uh, a few strikers actually A few strikers being mm-hmm. linked So the first one Calvert-Lewin And the second one Alex Isak uh, Who has been so impressive In this Euros I don't know if you've watched Some of the Sweden games But he has I've been He's been he's been really really good for them, and not just and, and and I know he hasn't scored many goals, but it's not the goals per se. It's more the performance and what he what he what he gives to the team. Um, he, he reminds me a lot of what Lacazette does. His mm-hmm. intense attitude, on and off the ball, work rate, his desire to play for the team and not play for himself, um, and it's also his intelligence when and his cool, calm composure when he's on the ball in the final third, just making magic happen. Um, you know, in, in, in within like a, a click of a finger, uh, you have to remind yourself that he's only twenty one years old. But Arsenal, I did see some reports that Arsenal are monitoring the player. Yeah, um, I saw a report that we are ready to play his release clause should he want to come. So yeah, uh, do you know how much his release clause is? Because I can't quite remember. Uh, Seventeen million. Okay, so that's quite a lot, but. In euros, though, so that might uh, be so about addiction. 50 mil, isn't it? Something yeah. like that. Um, but for 21, as a 21 year old, for the amount of goals that he scored for Sociedad, that would be a very, very good deal, in my opinion. I think yeah. that would be an incredible deal because, like I said, he reminds me a lot of Lacazette, but he also has a finish the finishing abilities of Aubameyang. He has like the body kind of um, the same body type as as Aubameyang, quite tall, uh, quite I guess awkward to handle in the box. Um, yeah, a handful, a real handful, a real handful. So I I I welcome these links to Isak um, should the competition should the competition go well for him the Euros should you know Sweden progress and he's at the the centre of it then um, I see you know uh, big teams quite a few teams coming after him um, what, what do you think Arsenal who do you think suits Arsenal better someone like Calvert-Lewin or someone like Isak firstly I think the Calvert-Lewin you know the Calvert-Lewin stuff won't happen mm. Because I think if Everton lose Calvert Lewin, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I think that would be a really bad, um, 
really bad situation for them to be in. Uh, but I do think Cavaloon will stay because Rafa Benitez is close to be being Everton manager, unless uh, uh, Rafa has his own plans on what he plans to do in that situation. Um, then, you know, I think Rafa will want to keep him around because Rafa will know, Rafa will know all about Cavaloon. Um, even when he was Newcastle manager. So I don't really see that as happening, uh, see that happening. But in regards to the other two, I think I say two because there's two we've been linked with, uh, uh, Isaac and Andre Silva. Andre Silva as well. Yeah, I forgot about him. I'd happily take both of them. You know, not both of them as in Isaac and Andre Silva, but if we were to sign one or the other, then I'd I'd be happy. Um, But I'm quite intrigued by this Isaac kid. I think he... He's pretty, pretty good, as you said. So if we can get him and if we are serious about paying his release clause, then let's do it. Yeah, and again, it just shows, it emphasises the right type of direction that Arsenal are going for. Um, <laughs> a, a, long, a long-term childhood friend of mine, we he's a United fan and we always have digs at each other and we always message each other whenever you know things happen our clubs um, most of the time we just you know banter each other um but he was uh, he messaged me after i put a, like um i shared a post of ben white potentially signing and you know he goes oh your club is signing ben white when our club is being uh, linked with people like sancho and varan and um i said to him look the days of signing superstars are done we're now in an age where you need to start developing superstars at your club. Um, Because what I've noticed in the last few years of so-called superstars leaving their clubs and signing for others, it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't work out. And when that doesn't work out, that blow, that fee that you've paid for him, that blow becomes irreparable. Um, And we saw it with Sanchez when he left Arsenal, went to United, didn't work out, went to Inter Milan, didn't work out. And now he's stuck in a bit of a pickle. And, you know, that transfer might not have affected United as much financially, but um, in terms of their long-term season objectives, it, it, you know, it crushed them because they would have expected him to deliver them the goals and the assists to try and get them back into competing with your city's um, and your Liverpools, etc. But it didn't work out. And so, you know, I, I, I truly believe that players like Isak um, will be the future and, you know, teams that sign players like that will be, um, you know, developing a plan that brings them long-term success going forward. It might not happen instantly, but the blueprint will certainly be looking a lot more rosier in two, three years than say United's one will with, you know, players like Varane. And it's not to say that they're not great players. They're incredible players. Of course they are. And they wouldn't be where they are if they weren't, but what's a bigger risk? You know, you have to, it's it's all about risk management now, especially post uh, pandemic where, you know, teams are really, cautious about the way that they spend their money and uh, I guess are more reluctant to throw money away than they would a couple seasons ago. But now, you know, would you rather risk 50 mil on a 21 year old than someone who's already established? I don't know. Um, I think I'd rather risk it on 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 a highly rated youngster who is 
who has so many years in him to develop. And if it doesn't work out at Arsenal, then at least you know you have a player with the age profile, the experience, and someone who you can move on. Whereas if it doesn't work out with someone who's an elite superstar, then it might be more difficult to move them on. Does that make sense? Or am I just... Yeah, no, that makes total sense, yeah. Um, As you said... uh... I've completely forgot, I've forgotten what you just said. Hold on. So uh, I'm sorry. I, I'm just. Well, what did you just say? Sorry. I was just. I was. Waffling, I, I don't know. I, I was just. I was going on this tangent about my friend saying that we're signing Varane and Sancho, and you're signing Ben White. Um. But yeah, basically, yeah. moral of the story is. Yeah. You know, it's. I think it's far more beneficial for clubs to be signing young, upcoming players who Absolutely. have who have so much, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They have so Potent- much potential, potential. Room, yeah. Potential. Room, room I, th- I think, yeah. Yeah. Room to grow, yeah, yeah. But, uh, absolutely. I'll, I'll continue the point now. Cause I know where you're at. Um, <laughs> absolutely. I, you know, you talk about players like Varane, uh, no disrespect to Varane. I think he's phenomenal footballer. He's a phenomenal footballer. People like Ramos still phenomenal footballers, but they're old. That's the one key thing They're they're, they're old in, they're old in football, football terms. Um, yeah, I mean, know. Varane's pushing 28. So when he next, when he, when he goes, when he makes his final move, that will be it. You know, if it doesn't work out for him at United at 28, it's going to take you a season and a half to find out what he's really made of. How much he, he potentially, you know, yeah. uh, being able to move him on at age 30. And most importantly, what about the time that you've wasted on someone like Varane when you could have uh, signed someone like Ben White? You know, yeah, I mean, that'll be that. And, you know, people, people look that, you know, people think about retiring at that age, you know, mm. or like stepping down their careers. But when you sign an upcoming player like Ben White and people like that, there's an, there's an, there's an element of, you know, building for the future. And I think with us, we're, we're, we're no longer, as you said, looking at, you know, superstars or established players. We're looking at people that, that are young now and that can, can grow, you know, like Gabriel Martinelli. He, he was young when he came in and uh, he's now growing into, you know, the player he is today and will continue to grow because he's obviously not at that age yet where he's reached his peak, as they like to say. So, yeah, I think, Ben White and people like that and Isaac, if we sign him, 21 years old, has room to grow and 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 room to establish his game and hopefully become a, a legend of football and a le- hopefully if we sign him a le- an Arsenal legend. Uh so yeah, I don't think I don't think there's a problem with uh signing uh like lower down young players. Yeah. And finally, I want to talk about just before we end it. I want to talk about the preseason schedule. I don't know whether you've seen it, but um, the few games have been added onto that list. And I have to say, it is an incredibly long list of preseason friendlies. What what does this what does this show about Arteta's mindset going into the season? They definitely accommodate. They've they've definitely listened to Mikel Arteta. He said he wanted the preseason. Mm. Uh, he's and certainly getting God, one. They're getting one. Let me have a look. So we've got Range, right? We've got Hibernian on uh, the 13th. Yeah. Rangers on the 17th. Milan, uh, Inter Milan on the 25th. Then we've got Everton, Chelsea, Tottenham. Wow, that's, that's long. It's crazy. Isn't it? So he's got, got one, one, two, three, four, five, six. Five, six games. And so, uh, you know, 
It's not just six games though. It's six very competitive games. Yeah, Tottenham and Chelsea in preseason. Mm. You know, I, I know. You know, it's for charity and it's for mental health, and that that's brilliant. But pl- that's unheard of, man. <laughs> Playing a North London derby in preseason. <laughs> oh my god! You you just know it's not going to be any friendly match there. Playing a playing a North two derbies in fact no yeah. three we're playing three derbies in a row man we're playing where's Chelsea where's the third one Chelsea Tottenham and Brentford because Brentford is now considered a derby because they live, oh yeah 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 of course yeah yeah, yeah. actually hold on one two three four we're playing four derbies in a row yeah we are because we play um Chelsea again don't we yep Chelsea Tottenham so- Brentford Chelsea. Oh, so hold on. We play Chelsea in the space of like two weeks because we play them on the 8th. <laughs> no, we play them on the 1st of August yep. and then we play them on the 22nd of August. So three weeks. Yeah. Interesting. So we've got, we've got, we've got, you know, Arteta definitely wanted a preseason. And I bet you Arteta's gone. <laughs> yeah, we'll have them. We'll have them. Yep. Yeah, okay. All right. Sure. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Anyone else? You know, I bet he's. I bet he's thinking, yeah, this isn't what I could. This is. This isn't what I meant when I said that a pre. You know, I was. I wanted a couple of games, but you've just given me a whole list of, you know, competitive games because there will be competitive games. No, no, you know, friendlies or not. Hmm. Even even the ones, even the even the ones in Scotland. Um, you know, even the ones in Scotland against Hibernian and and Rangers. Rangers hmm. Hmm. Uh, is going to be is going to be big in two reasons because. Mikel Arteta is going to be returning to Ibrox for the first time. Yeah. Because he played there. Let's not forget that. He played there. Uh, and, and Rangers are champions. And we're going to be going up against Steven Gerrard, which will mm. be fun. Uh, I don't think there'll be any fans in the stadium. Mm. Well, there may be. Na- there may be, actually. There may just be. Actually, will there? Saturday, July Saturday, July 17th. And lockdown ends when? Uh, did they not change it to the 19th or something like that? Yeah, maybe. Well, you know, you see what's happened to, with the Euros now. Maybe they'll make some exceptions, but um, because people are allowed to go to people are allowed to go to Wimbledon for the quarterfinals and semis and things like that for 60,000 mm-hmm. capacity. So who knows? But yeah, it's a very long preseason then. <laughs> It'll be good. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess the reason why I want to talk about the list of you know preseason friendlies we've got coming up is again what what is it really showing us about Arteta the boys what is he overdoing it <laughs> I mean I, I guess when I see a, a list of these games the first thing that comes into my mind is wow this is gonna have this is gonna take a lot out of the boys because to come back from a break to then go back into training and then to go into this many games one of two things will happen either they will get burnout by the start of the first game, or this will be the best thing to prepare them for the upcoming season. Or yes. you get a number of players that will get injured during this preseason, the, during these preseason friendlies, and then we will truly be screwed for the beginning of the season. Yeah, you know, it will probably be the Latin now you said that Farhan. So I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll bring that back when, when we eventually lose about five or six players due to injury in preseason. But uh, yeah, you know, hopefully not. Hopefully it's a, a nice and it goes smoothly and smooth sailing because, you know, Arteta has been clamoring on for this preseason and 
he's finally got one and, and this will be his first full season to really do it and really and hopefully really bring it home because we need it we need it you know and when I say bring it home I mean top four or maybe mm. even the trophy because my expectations now are going to be even higher now we haven't got European football yeah don't, oh, don't yeah you know, don't, don't forget it I want I want you know I want top four and maybe an FA Cup or a domestic cup or even both an FA Cup and domestic cup that's the you know mm. that's that's my ambition now we're not in top four you're not in you don't you, you're not competing for the major trophies so you you know you um all major European trophies so you have to you have to step up in other areas which hopefully we'll get the chance to do so yeah looking forward to it and hopefully um the boys will be ready and and we as fans will be ready because we we have to support the boys and we have to support the manager. I don't want to go in a, into a season divided. Definitely that, not. That Definitely is my, not. Um, that is my yeah. biggest fear is that we go into a season divided and, uh, you know, we we start the season on the wrong foot. <laughs> yeah, and I did say that I would give um, Arteta 10 games into the first the first 10 games of the next, uh, the, the upcoming season. Um, and it seems as if the first 10 games for Arteta is Brentford, Chelsea, City, Norwich, Burnley, Tottenham, Brighton, Palace, Aston Villa and Leicester. So yeah. those are some pretty difficult games for Arteta and Arsenal. But like I said, if they really make good use of the preseason friendlies, and actually I think I would, I would have prefer, I would have preferred them to maybe stay home for for the friendlies. Um, just something about going away to the states doesn't sit right with me. In for a few different reasons. Number one, I don't want it to distract them. I don't want them to treat it as another holiday. And I don't want them to treat it as preseason friendlies because I, I get these are friendlies and these games shouldn't be for, for teams to go at full capacity. But when you're Arsenal Football Club in this type of situation, I think every single opportunity you get that isn't a competitive match, you need to be making you know good use of it. You need to... Absolutely, yeah. These, yeah. these preseasons only come around once, and you have to make the most of them to be mm. fully prepared. So, yeah, I just hope the boys go out there, go go to their respective places, Scotland and America, and and really put in performances and not distract themselves by by you know playing or or partying too hard because I guess they will have some time to you know chill out there mm. as well as playing games. But uh, yeah, it's time to shift the focus now. After the Euros, we'll shift the focus to Arsenal and we'll get really, really stuck in. So excited. And we're already seeing players actually um, on social media preparing for the upcoming season or at least making it, making a good case for themselves um, with players like Elneny, you know, showing his workout videos or Bamiyang training with teams in Greece. Um, There's also Saliba and his new slick haircut. Um, joining in with the, the 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 England boys and some of the others who have bleached their hair, um, so it's good to see that. It's good to see that players are working hard and they are looking like they're in the zone and ready for next season because it could very well be a season that Arsenal flourish. Mm, I um, really hope so. I really really hope so. Yeah, me too. Um, me because too. because we we need it. Mm. You know, we deserve to, you know, have some good go away at some point. 
and let, let it be the season. Let's let's let as Stephen Gerrard said, let's go. Let's let's do it. Let's let's, let's let's push forward and let's let's take the take the season on. And I, I you know I'm really excited. Once this Euros ends, my focus is you know fully back on club football. Uh, yeah. Kind of want the Euros to end now. I'm not even, you yeah. know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it. You know, yeah. I, I, you know, I love the Euros. I love that England are still in it. I'll support England till the end. But you know, I miss Arsenal. I miss Arsenal. I haven't been to Arsenal for the two years now, mm. and I cannot wait to get back in that stadium and and cheer the boys on. Hopefully next season. So, yeah, really, really exciting, really exciting time. So definitely, I'm really looking forward to something. It. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I think I'm going to leave it there. Yeah, it's been a long one, isn't it? We've spoken about it again. I didn't think we'd have much to talk about, but we have managed <laughs> to fill up the time with quite a lot of chit chat. Um, so yeah, once again, thank you everybody for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, please do give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It does really go a long way. Uh, if you want to reach out, to us get in contact with us um let us know with your thoughts about how you found the show if there's anything you want us to add if there's any comments that you have about the show um anything you agree with us on or disagree with us on as many of you will let me know um you can find us on twitter you can find me on twitter at gonna since 96 you can find james on twitter at james Payne afc and yeah we will be back next week again for another one until then stay home stay safe and enjoy the rest of your week thank you very much bye bye